Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. We are now a few weeks into the 2022 school year, and as a result, I want to get you to stop and look around after doing some smart thinking. This is the time of year when we have the best opportunity to help solidify the success of those we serve, whether that be students or colleagues. This is the time of year when we have the best chance to support all the people around us, and most importantly, the cultures in which we live, work, and serve. The discussion will at first focus on the adults in our schools and our worlds, but as you listen, think of the applications also in your classroom or at home. This episode was sparked by an exchange I had the other day while working in Indianapolis. I had worked with a group of amazingly committed school leaders, and at the end of the talk, two administrators from the same school came up to me and said they really appreciated the message of being Buffalo, but had a question. They wanted to know why it is that when we hire new and enthusiastic staff, that they quickly get sucked into the vortex of negativity. I think my answer set them back a little bit. I said, well, they don't fall into that vortex. You let them be pulled into it. It is a result of your leadership that they went negative. The looks on their faces was very telling. It was not the answer they were looking for, but the truth. And then, well... I discussed what they could do in order to shift the culture and support the new staff members who were being sucked into that vortex. Remember that a buffalo is a leader who charges into the storms that we are facing. Culture is a constant storm. And every time anyone new comes into the culture, they immediately begin to challenge it because they've come from a different culture. And most people don't want to change, so they walk around in your own culture and they become disruptive. Or other people encourage them to become disruptive. They ask questions and then slowly become a part of your new culture or a constant antagonist within it. It's the slowly become a part of it stage that we're in right now. A few weeks into our processes and school year and people are beginning to adhere to the local traditions within our buildings. Now, Buffalo leaders understand that. So they're willing to challenge and support the weird conditions that first occur when we have a new culture development opportunity. Then, why is it that great and optimistic people can so quickly be recruited into the club of organizational saboteurs? Well, it's because we let it happen. A few decades ago, when I first became a principal, I was truly excited to begin my journey. I was at a pretty large middle school with over 900 students and 85 staff members. I moved into my office over the weekend so that on Monday, in the middle of summer, I would be available to meet staff and get right to work. Monday morning, I drove to school with great enthusiasm and walked up the stairs to my office. And when I came into the greater office area, I was greeted by the school secretary, who also came in early to make sure I could transition well. And to my surprise, a teacher was there waiting for me. Now, with hindsight, I want to describe this teacher. She was awesome. She was a Buffalo teacher before I even learned what that was. She stood eye to eye with me at six feet tall, had confidence, was incredibly candid, and very protective and loyal to the school she served in. She literally gave me a head-to-toe look and only said two things to me. The first was that I was very young, but I was okay with that because I was. The second was, listen, Ted, do not trust the first three people who seek you out from this school. 
She put her hand on my shoulder and squeezed with endearing strength and repeated it to me. Do not trust the first people, the first three people who are coming to talk with you. They all have an agenda. That's why they want to be the first to speak with you. She was a sage, maybe 10 years older than me, but as her people in New England say, wicked smart. By noon, my first day, everything she had said had come true. And actually, there were about seven people who had made appointments to see me. Now, if she had not had the leadership to come and tell me to be cautious, I'm pretty certain I would have not been able to pick up on the motivations of the people and really figure out that their motivations were not pure. And looking back, the appointment people were individuals who really wanted to ensure I did not change anything. Their fears were about themselves and their own narratives. And I clearly remember how easily my first few visitors were to sell out other people who had just left, put down the district administration, and share intimate details of all the things they didn't like. Now, by four o'clock, I was ready to jump out of my second-story window and run. (laughs) Then, my first Buffalo teacher popped back into the office again. She poked her head around the door, and she said, I called the secretary to check in on you, and I learned that you seem to be a little shell-shocked. This teacher came in and masterfully took my temperature and pulse and asked me a bunch of questions, and she called me Teddy, which to that point in my life, only my mom, grandma, and my Aunt Marcia still called me. And she said very simply, Teddy, what did you learn today? Then she said, wait a minute, you shouldn't trust me. We barely know each other. And she was sitting across from my desk in gardening clothes, face covered in dirt and sweat, and had her gardening boots on. She said, you know what? I'm going to head to the horse barn, and I'll check in with you in a few weeks. Then she just got up and left. I would learn from working with this woman for the next 12 years that this was her style, her essence. She was a buffalo with integrity who stood in storms that she had run into. And as I drove home that night, I just weirdly remember putting in a five for fighting CD and reflecting on what my first day was like. And looking back, it was a recruitment day for the different factions of the staff. And this has happened to me every time I've taken on a new position. And thinking back on every job I've ever had, it happened there as well. And when I reflect on being a student, you know what? There were always people who wanted to make sure that I joined their club. Stepping into a new culture does not have to feel like a prison yard with factions and gangs. Instead, it should feel welcoming, caring, supported. And a person like Chris, the teacher I described before, well, that should be our way. She checked in on me with great frequency, demonstrated an iron, solid integrity, and was always willing to be totally candid and honest with me. So why is it that new people who show up in our cultures or our schools or our workplaces or wherever, why do they become the culture? Well, it's because the first three people who talk to them are recruiting them into their own cultures, the own microcultures within the building. And sometimes those cultures, sometimes they're amazing. They're engaging and empowering and filled with love and focused on the mission. And people who don't gossip but celebrate, people who encourage and challenge each other to do the best work they can do and to be the best versions of themselves and people who want to be there and people who see value in their work and people who feel supported and people who have what they need to be who they can be. And then, well, there's the intentional misfits, 
The recruiters who spend their time ensuring that the new people are sad, feel unseen, that they feel that there's no support for them. And I could go on, but I'm just getting sullen thinking about the cultures I've been in in the past filled with these types of people who enjoy misery and can only seem to find happiness when they're surrounded by other miserables. I'm not sure that's a word, but I'm going to use it again. I learned that the first three people are important beacons of doom. They show us right away what we need to become and what we need to become strategic about, which is optimism. Now, realize it's not really the first three people. This is being symbolic. You need to just think smart about transitions and how you approach your culture. But Ted, you're giving us this advice well after the year started. Yeah, on purpose. And this must be really important because I just spoke in third person. Anyways, because this is the time of year, this is the time of year where we need to re-interview the people we serve to inquire about how the launch has gone, to hear how the culture is and what it's done with or for them, and to ensure that the optimistic people that you serve can maintain the levels of energy they need to be successful, to get the coaching to courage they have to have in order to charge into the storms they're facing and ensure that they can maintain a level of engagement that propels everybody else around them. It takes forever for people to realize that the culture is whatever you allow it to be. Buffaloes charge into these storms that they're always facing, and if the identified problem is a disengaged or negative culture, well, throw on your water wings, little buddy, and charge into that hurricane. So how do you do this? Well, you interview the culture to get the information you need in an effort to support it. Yep. Remember that the only way to fundamentally change the people around you is for you to first change yourself and enforce the processes employed that were designed and developed to support others. Now, this comes from an experience I had a few years ago. After COVID hit, I learned a great lesson very late in my leadership, but just in time. I was really concerned about our new staff in an era where they were transitioning into a place where they didn't get to be together, where they had to distance from the culture and their colleagues. So I decided that we needed to re-interview everyone and see and hear how things were going. And that is the process that I want to share with you. This process also addresses the question from the beginning that sparked this whole episode. Remember? The two wanted to know why it is that when we hire new staff and enthusiastic staff, that they quickly get sucked into the vortex of negativity. Well, the answer is because we let it. We let it happen. We believe that one person on their own will be able to challenge an embedded group of people when we also know that the first three people to talk to that new person are recruiting them to whatever the dominant culture is. It's crazy. We know it and we let it happen. But now... Now we have words to call it out. Now we have a process. So here's what you do. You re-interview. Create 30-minute re-interviews with the people you serve that are new to the culture. And if you are a classroom teacher and your boss or principal or anyone in the hierarchy won't do it, then you do this and you ask your colleagues. I don't imagine many of our organizational saboteurs are listening to a person like me on a podcast. So go ahead and do it. And if you are in the classroom, consider using these prompts with your students. Are you ready? So there are four key questions, and I'll explain as we go. Step one, before you even begin asking the questions, is to make sure to explain that you are simply re-interviewing them to hear from them how they are doing. 
through the transitions into your business, school, or classroom. The first two steps are pretty simple, and you've heard me say them before, and it's how all processes should either end or begin. It's a plus delta. So the first question is, what do you like? Now, do not explain it. Let the person take the question where they'll take it. When offered a completely open-ended prompt, those within your cultures will take it where they need to take it. They'll discuss their mentors, their colleagues, their work, their resources, the environment, the processes, and the people, the experiences, how they feel. It's important, very important, for you to leave that question open-ended. The next question is critical, the deltas. What would you change? Here is where you will listen as they talk about the challenges they're facing. They say things like, I find it hard to use the internal software program. People in my class tend to struggle with a certain person's attitude. My colleagues are too busy to help me out. I can't find my mentor because they're too busy to support me. I'd like to see more offerings for new people, etc. I can't figure out how to get tape. How can I change that? Now, what happens is you start to hear very addressable themes and they start to emerge. Then you hear for yourself the slippery slopes of the vortex to negativity and disengagement, and you see how they look. Now, I say you see because I expect that the process be done in person or in Zoom. This is not some heartless Google Doc. This is your opportunity to immediately hear and address what is challenging to others. When you send out a Google Doc at this time of the year, people are busy. They almost feel offended by it, and you may accidentally reinforce a negative idea like, that person never cares. So do you know how much integrity capital you get when you sit in front of somebody? How much trust you put into the bucket if you address the workplace or classroom pinch points immediately with them? The other thing is you will hear system pinch points that you can address. Students in your classroom, they will identify a theme where they had find things difficult or frustrating. Things like grades and feedback are posted long after the assignment is due. Staff, well, staff will explain their frustrations with processes or people. This is like mining in a gold and diamond mine. You get so many valuable little nuggets. You can immediately flip the interview into an opportunity to coach them and support them and explain other routes to the same outcome. I loved every minute of these interviews, and I love doing it, and I look forward to doing it again. The third question you ask them is, what wonderings do you have? Oh man, strap on your seatbelt and be ready. This is such a powerful re-interview question for you to hear and to ask. It's, it's powerful in that the new person in front of you has not had enough time in their exchanges with you to worry about how you'll respond. There's a positive ignorance with the new people around you and it offers you the opportunity to support new people the right way. They'll ask all types of questions about the organization, the people around them, the processes, the why behind a lot of things. And again, you are listening for themes and you are listening for the opportunity to immediately address the hurdles that they may be facing. And you will run out of ink writing all of their responses. Now, the last question is the most important of the four to ask, and it will either be heartwarming or heartbreaking for you. And here it is. When you describe to others what we value, what do you tell them? Now be prepared, because this is where you'll learn how the culture is actually described to others. I was so impressed the first time I did this and heard how our culture was informing other people's mindsets, their attitudes, and their engagement. Cultures are not defined by how people act in the room. They're defined by how they're described as people are walking out the door. It's really hard to get a pulse on the comments in the parking lot, that is until 
you ask people to describe what it is that they tell other people about our values. You'll be able to hear honest descriptions and you'll smell out the baloney. You're also going to hear things that will reinforce what you expect and you'll also be provided opportunities to chase into another storm. Four questions, face to face, and all you do is listen and coach. Now a big warning for you. Do not defend or cast blame as you're listening to the answers. It will be very tempting to just jump right in to an opportunity to explain. Well, no, 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 that's not true. And this is why. Don't do that. Just, Just listen. Don't explain why things are the way they are and who is at fault. But it is best to empathetically listen to this, to wonder what it would be like for them to be part of the organization. Now, with students, this could be very easily done in a reflective document. I wouldn't expect a teacher with 25 or 140 kids on their caseload to do this in person face-to-face, but you could do it with a couple or you could just simply create a sheet with two prompts on both sides. But always remember, when you get your responses, if you do this with kids, data does not have a heartbeat, so it does not deserve an emotional response. The data is what it is. You have to be a strong buffalo to hear the opportunities for improvement in your culture. But those OFIs, well, they fuel us. Four questions. What did you like? What would you change? What are you wondering? And when you describe to others what we value here, what do you say? Now, the final step, once you've re-interviewed everyone, is this. You compile all of your notes into a single bulleted page of themes with all four prompts, and you publish it to everyone. Yes, everyone. Do not be afraid of the truth. Everyone else already knows it. But we too often fail to name it and put it out there for the culture to talk about. And finally, once you've shared with your world what the new people say, go ahead and re-interview other samples of the staff. Yes, other samples. And here's a simple way to do it. Go after the people and talk to the people who've worked there for five years. Ask them what's going on. Ask them the four questions. Go talk to the people who've worked there for 10 years and 15 years and 20 years. Re-interview people on major anniversaries and hear from them all of the truths of your culture. There is no greater leader than one who understands that the storms around them are best confronted and charged into. And when you take on the known issues around you, you'll find that courage and confidence is like a muscle. The more you take on these challenges, the stronger you are as more storms approach. So let's do some smart thinking. Describe your approach for measuring the pulse of the new two culture staff for students. List the people you need to interview and analyze your own answers to these questions. That's it. As always, that's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Thank you for listening and please rate or share this episode with others. I do appreciate the feedback and it provides me great lift to hear and see the occasional note. And of course, a big thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music and Brian and Sarah, the Well Pennies studio, the Golden Bear Records, because today's song is another great production of theirs. Now, as we close out here, I want you to think about the power of re-interviewing those you serve, getting the truth from those you serve, accompanied by hearing and seeing their ideas. It is super powerful and rewarding. It fuels those around you. And while it feels like it's going to be a lot of time, I can assure you that this little bit of time on the front end is going to save you a ton of time as you move forward. You want to chase down the storms that have passed you and catch up to the herd of cows? Or do you want to turn around and go directly into them? 
take them head on and go forward fast. I just finished reading the book Book of Moods by Lauren Martin, and one of the findings she discussed was that in a marriage or a long-term relationship, well over 60% of all conflict is perpetual and rooted in things like lifestyle, personalities, and values. A huge aha when I was laying there reading it the other night. I thought, this sounds just like work. She discussed that there are six differences between couples who split up and get divorced and couples that don't. Just like work. One significant behaviors of couples that stayed together is that they work immediately to repair the conflict or argument. Couples who stayed together knew how to repair early and often. Boom! Why do you need to re-interview the people you serve? Because you have no idea what the historical mistakes are that have been made around them. You have no idea what the first three negative recruiters said. And you have to act with a sense of urgency and immediacy in order to support those you ultimately work with and who will define the culture. I couldn't believe it when I read it. It's so simple. Get to it and fix it fast. So, this week, charge into your culture in an effort to immediately fix what is frustrating and most importantly to reinforce what's actually working. Now this week's song from Golden Bear Studios is by Trent Gaddy and it's entitled Tennessee. It's the autumns It's the way they all fall So perfectly Like a sinker straight from Screens. Well, isn't it lovely? Yeah. Well, isn't it the Tennessee? It's the waterfalls, it's the rolling hills, it's the Mississippi, it's the promised land, it's milk and honey. Yeah. Well, isn't Tennessee. There's 
say, say, seeking you It's true Oh, I tend to see Cause I found you Cause I found you Cause I found you Cause I found My home is my destiny It's the only place I was born to be Well, isn't it lovely, yeah Well, isn't it a Tennessee There's a million reasons why Drive straight through the night for you. Cause they say seeking you'll find that it's true. Oh, Tennessee, cause I found you.